The Bizzle. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Burn the land and boil the sea. You can't take the sky from me. All right, Abyssalcast listeners, welcome to the Abyssalcast television commentary for the show Firefly. We are on episode eight of the first and only season out of gas. Just came off two really hilarious episodes in Our Mrs. Reynolds and Janestown, which still had tons of character development. Um, episode eight is officially the beginning of the back half of the season. And even though this is a weird episode, Matt, in a, in a few ways, I, I think this is actually really appropriate to be the official back half, uh, opener because it's sort of like the second part to the pilot. Yeah, I would say so. It, it's this ne- it's the second origin episode. You know, the, the pilot serenity is about how, Simon and Book and River got on the ship and Out of Gas is about how everybody else gets on the ship. And it's true that from this point on, with the exception of Trash, which is even a a more somber version of the same story as uh, our Mrs. Reynolds, this is the first, if not darker, then more emotionally complex, deeper uh, sadder in some ways episode um, and sweeter. And a lot of the episodes that are to come are going to deal with some of the emotions beyond humor that this crew goes through on a daily basis. What I love about flashbacks when they're done right is that it keeps the um, cast on their toes. Because, for example, in this episode, eight episodes in, Mal and Inara have to act in a way that's very Mally and Inara-y, but from, you know... 18 months ago or whenever it was. Right. And so it kind of keeps the crew on their toes. This show does uh, flashbacks the best. You know, Battlestar had sort of mixed results, I would say, um, (laughs) with flashbacks. Most shows, including Arrow, which is based completely on flashbacks, only benefits one character for the most uh, uh, part. And so, you know, it's nice that in this show, we get flashbacks at various times for everyone except for Book, I think. And that's very intentional um, to keep his background mysterious. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because of what you just mentioned, Book and Simon and River aren't a huge part of this episode. And that's fine. And it's really a debate as to whether Wash, Kaylee, um, or Jane has the best, you know, quote unquote, entrance. <laughs> um, via the flashbacks because they're all pretty spectacular. And then, of course, the, the drama with Anara. Um, are you of the mindset that this is uh, a, a great episode or are you just like seeing the flashbacks? Oh, no, this is a great episode. I mean, it it's true. This plot, this front plot is, uh, you know, the present day plot is mostly a means to have the flashbacks explaining how the people got on the show are on the ship but it's a very very well executed premise and if the idea is all of these weird people who got on this show in these weird disparate ways how could they come together as a crew 
well, this episode kind of finishes with this image of them all around Mal of they all came together as a crew, you know, that everything he had hoped when he got this ship for all these weird people that he keeps pulling in from all these different scenarios of a companion who wants to just rent a shuttle to the chick getting laid in the uh, engine room to the guy with the mustache wearing the Hawaiian shirts. (laughs) They all ultimately do come together. Um, And if this, I've said before that Firefly is about Mal finding people who can replace things that he lost after the battle of Serenity Valley then this is the episode that maybe crystallizes the idea that that's actually working, that he has kind of created this new family for himself and that these people can be what he needs. And ultimately the show is about Mal. Um, Oh yeah. And one of the great achievements of the movie was making it seem like it was about the other characters as well. Even though it's still mostly about Mal. And it is still mostly about Mal, but River's the one that kind of steps forward. Right. Um, The sort of River Simon uh, conglomerate, if you will. But yeah, there's something, you know, after the sort of frenetic pace of the last couple episodes, there's something almost hypnotic about the slower pace of this episode. And by the way, the color filter on the flashbacks is ridiculous, but it's meant to be so. Mm -hmm. And all I got to say, man, before we jump into this, um, unless you have anything to add, is there are novelists that work their entire life to achieve the kind of truth about personalities that we get in this show in the first eight episodes and continue to develop, honestly. And yet Fox didn't want this show. You know, they couldn't get past 14 episodes. They screwed up the whole thing. And we really haven't gotten anything like this since. I mean, this episode is just all about talking about characters. I mean, that's it. That's the only point for this, is character development. And I don't know why we can't get more of that on television. You know, uh, I I wonder if people don't even want character development. (laughs) You know what I mean? At least not in their week to week. I sometimes wonder about that, too. If our if nerd culture, which I, I sometimes wonder if over the last 15 years, really in the post Firefly era has there is some aspects of it that I think has become almost more toxic than it was maybe 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, it's much more diverse and welcoming. It's kind of a it's kind of pulled in two directions. But I do wonder if people are de- what people demand now is not good character work and dynamics. If they just want the visual appeasement stuff of cool action sequences and badass gunfights and spaceship fights and things like that. Um, and I, you know, I, I think TV in general, we're getting some shows that have amazing character work much better than we were at 20 years ago. But I wonder if this kind of genre television has gone in the opposite direction. Um, maybe because that's what the demand is, or that's what film showrunners think the demand is. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, one of the reasons a show like Orphan Black stands out so much in the modern genre television landscape is how much effort those people put into building their characters. Um, You know, as opposed to the sci-fi channels where the character work is very, very weak on on all of the shows, even the expanse, which I guess is the best thing on sci-fi right now. Couldn't, I mean, it it couldn't carry the jockstrap of orphan blacks character work. I mean, it's just whatever your definition of escapism is. And for me, the the sci-fi environment isn't the part that I'm escaping into. 
What I'm escaping into are these characters that seem like rogues on the surface, but other than Jane are actually better than most real human beings. Right. And so it's fun to watch good people, despite difficult circumstances, try and do good things. I know that sounds weird about the Firefly cast. I feel the same way about Orphan Black. I feel the same way about Battlestar. It's not the science fiction itself I'm escaping into. And that's my problem with the sci-fi shows today, and we won't linger on this, is that they're trying to make science fiction shows. Whereas they should be trying to make dramas or comedies that happen to exist in a science fiction environment. And that is a lost art that seems to be gone. Um, and, uh, so this is the perfect example of an an excellent execution of this. This is actually the highest rated on IMDb of all the episodes, whatever you want to put into that. Um, and so this will be a nice chance, man, to kind of reflect on halfway through the series, what we've accomplished so far and kind of where these characters are going. So let's jump right into it. So cue up your DVDs, get the subtitles going, and we're going to count you down. And here comes the countdown. Three, two, one, go. All right, here we go. Firefly is dead. The only reason there's a light on there uh, <laughs> is to quote Ron Moore, quote, uh, quoting someone else. Someone asked, well, you know, hey, w- when you're in a completely dark space, where does the light come from? Ron Moore says, the same place the music does. <laughs> you can't see the damn ship without the light so this is it this is out of gas they are literally out of gas and this is all a giant um mechanism to get flashbacks right ultimately and it is interesting that up until this moment most of these intro scenes open with action or interaction something is happening this is the first episode that opens with a series of establishing shots and that should tell you that this is a very different kind of episode. Um, so Nathan Villian, for some reason, loves getting thrown face down into the into ground. Happens multiple times fighting the operative. <laughs> Here he is showing Zoe the ship. She hates it. <laughs> but uh, when he's fighting the operative, when he's fighting, <laughs> he's fighting the operative at the end, and they're all injured, and, and they ask Zoe, "You think you think you think he got through? You think he got through?" And Zoe goes, "Yeah, I think he got through." And then doink, mm-hmm. he hits the face, his face right. on the floor. <laughs> Super yellow. It's an interesting choice to go yellow. I guess it's not that uncommon uh, for flashback filters. Something that's interesting that I've never noticed before is this mal is actually closer to yes. how he acts in the Serenity in the Battle yes. of Serenity Valley. And so there is the sense that it isn't just that everything died and he went from old Mal to new, new Mal in that moment, but that there's actually been a, an increasing hardening and emptying of him mm-hmm. over the however long they've all been on this ship together, um, which I never noticed before. But the idea that he actually uh, continues to lose idealism, hope, happiness, optimism, faith, whatever. His hair is uh, different. His clothes yeah. are different. Yeah. You know, but he's 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 it's like he's found this new thing to believe in is his ship and maybe his experience of what it's actually like being a ship captain is what further pushes him down the path to the character that we see in the present day. So there's a very Hegelian relationship between Mal and Zoe, which is that she always contradicts him just to make the point. So he right. makes the thesis, she makes the antithesis, and then together they come up with a synthesis. 
you know? And so you never really know when she's busting his balls because she really believes so or just because that's her job as a second, mm-hmm. as first mate, right? Is to present, to be, to base, you know, as in common parlance to play devil's advocate in every circumstance. But he knows that she's fully loyal. And so, you know, he's happy to put himself out there and have her criticize him. And if she's right, then he won't do it or he will do it, right? Sure. I, uh, I wanted to toss this yeah. in somewhere. Um, just because I want to get this in on one of the theme songs. I don't know very much about most of the fan stuff that's been produced by Brown Coats, which is the name for the fan group that likes this show. Yep. But there is one thing that's pretty cool. If you go on YouTube, there is a video called Mal's Song, which is by a woman named Michelle Dockery, D-O-C-K-R-E-Y, where she basically turns the theme song of Firefly, these lines, into the chorus of a song about the show and some of the lyrics are a little too on the nose, but it's a pretty well done little bit of fan songwriting. So mm. I encourage people to check it out. Um, it's uh, it's pretty well done, kind of the way she integrates the theme into her own song. The Serenity, the Firefly Serenity theme at the beginning of the movie is the best science fiction music theme since the mm-hmm. original Star Wars. It's better than the Marvel stuff. It's better than the modern Star Wars. It's amazing. David Newman. Got to check out the Serenity sound- soundtrack. I don't know why more people don't try and combine blue- bluegrass with orchestral stuff. It works really flawlessly. And this yeah, episode has amazing music because there's so much non-spoken stuff from Nathan Fillion. Right. And it's interesting that in this show, we actually have time happening at ba- essentially three parts. There's the present... There is this oh, stuff that's the 24 right. hours before or there's however like, long it takes. Yeah. And then there's the flashback stuff. So that's really interesting in terms of storytelling and blocking and pacing. Um, and this is, this is great. And this is without even hearing the whole story, you see that the preacher fits in better than Simon. Right. Doesn't you know, Simon not able to tell a story or something coming up here? Well, he tries, but uh, yeah. Jane is going to cut him off. But I think he, uh, I think he would have told a, partic- a fine story. Um, yeah, I would have loved to see Shepard book in, in season two, three, four. I think that he was setting up a lot of stuff there. I think he, so too. He fits in just from a vibe standpoint, though. It never distracts from what else is going on. Ah. Um. <clears throat> Right. Yeah, this is just the, before everything goes to shit. Everyone loves each other, and then doink. <laughs> which I think is sort of the point. Yeah, um, it's definitely sort of a point. Yeah. Out on the edge, as Mel says, and you know, yep. shit always goes wrong. Languorous journey. What amazing dialogue! Oh, by the way, man, the one thing you realize upon rewatching the show and, and movie is that they don't use like shiny and goram as much as you think. Like it's it's very selective. Uh, for sure. You know, there's a, a very specific uh, language style to this show. One of the things I think makes it like, six people are hilarious. And this is um, actually a place to uh, identify with Simon because there are very few people who like the experience of being told to tell a funny story on the spot. Right. I don't know. I mean, you and I probably know two or three people that could do that. But for the most part, it's a horrible position to be in. Now, what's true is... I have talked to a lot of people. My dad is a doctor. I have some friends who are doctors. They all have pretty good <laughs> stories. They're not always funny. Some of them are pretty damn gross. Um, but doctors have per- perfectly capable of telling entertaining stories. But uh, Kiss and tell, there's another bit of a... Uh... So there is kissing. <laughs> <laughs> and in that moment, he's not really giving her shit. He's not shitting no. on, on, on what she does. He just... 
Yeah, I mean, look, if Mal wants to be with Inara, he has to be used to the fact that she slept with probably hundreds of people. Something, I mean. <laughs> How did you know? i do like that she is a little bit bratty at times yeah and and it doesn't feel out of place it feels like you know she's a a, we don't know how old she is but she she summer uh summer glow terminator has laugh out loud lines almost every episode she's so funny my hunch is that if river were in a place where she could go to school, she'd be in high school. I think the actress is a little bit older, and so she doesn't. Yes, she's quite playing a seventeen-year-old like in the movie. Seventeen? That sounds right. So then she'd be about in the movie sixteen. I think the movie yeah. takes a year after placing. They year claim after it's only six months, which makes zero okay. sense. That was actually uh, being a continuity nerd. My biggest problem was that they said the whole thing was six months from the beginning. I was like, what? Oh, right. So sixteen or seventeen? Sixteen, seventeen. But- yeah, exactly. She's um, she's a minor, right? You know, and this is another Fire. one of these moments where oh, she, she has it. these abilities oh. that aren't hundred percent like. Uh, oh, you got to kill another. Ca- so we almost killed Shepard Book. We've we've almost killed Kaylee. Who else can we kill? Um. Well, they shoot Simon in the final episode. That's true, and then he really gets shot in the movie. Anyway, you know, again. This, is great this time, these tonal shifts that I've talked about over and over and over again are a little bit more deliberate in that they are clearly setting up something that they can then take away, oh, not yeah. in these random shifts between funny, intense, and funny, no. intense. This is uh, a sentimental episode. There's no doubt about it, even the funny parts. It's very sentimental. And this is an interesting moment because here's uh, he's being a little bit of a jerk, uh, Jane is, but he's also being... He's he's telling him, look, I know more than you do about this situation. You have to trust me here. And you can see it in Jane's face that he is concerned. You know, he is scared by this situation. Um, this is probably doesn't this effect doesn't age like 100 percent. But I thought this was pretty cool. I it's still fine. think this is a pretty cool artistic way to do the fire i don't know if that's how a fire would look in space oh no i always say make the fire look cool and dynamic it's not never gonna look real so just make it look cool yeah plus we have no idea what it looks like with vacuum going on there so okay right so right so there's present present which is here and then there's present near past which is what we just saw and then there's relatively future past future past oh my god relatively distant past which is uh where's where the flashbacks are actually i think it all takes place about six hours apart i mean i I think one of the things in this episode is that the ship goes from fine to dead really quickly so that they this isn't some like long plan they can form about what they have to do Mm -hmm. they this is a plan that they are scrambling because they have so little time Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it was not an accident that Joss Whedon decided to turn the ridiculously huge and complicated engineering level of the Enterprise <laughs> into a spinning wheel with some things flying around. <laughs> yep, that's pretty much been, you know, you get the sense that this thing has broken and been rebuilt and hacked, you know, back together so many times. You know, this idea that it's just being held together by by tape and string and shit. 
Um, but even the the tiny amount of machinery involved suggests some high-powered fusion that doesn't really jibe with the rest of their civilization. That's fine. They're not traveling at, you know, uh, super light speeds, you know, <laughs> hyper light speeds. So that that at least is consistent. Mm-hmm. That, right? That's my idea is that like when they're going full speed, they're going maybe like half the speed of light, something like that. This is an interesting moment right now. So he grabs him, hurls him against the ship. Um, and Mel's right. Uh, against the wall. And you notice Jane backs up. Even he is scared of Mal in that moment. That's interesting to me is that moment is so intense that even Jane feels it. And, um, you know, yeah, the way I mean, they cut. Yeah. Mustache <laughs> <laughs> is ridiculous. That's K2SO right there for you yep. uh, Star Wars fans. <laughs> and bizarrely, K2SO acts a lot like this guy. <laughs> a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. Mustache in the... I, you were complaining last episode what? that it was amazing Christmas had survived. How the hell did Hawaiian shirt survive? Right. He looks like... 500 Wim- years and a new planet. Dude, I was just thinking about a whole this. whole new solar system, Eve. Uh, he yeah, looks like... Solar system, yeah. He, he looks like Wembley the Fraggle. <laughs> Wembley the Fraggle has always got on his Hawaiian shirt. Yep. Yeah, I love this. She she doesn't trust him. She doesn't like right. him. And she continues to not trust him or like him as a husband in, in some ways. <laughs> she she is a... Uh, do you think Zoe uh, came from a bad place even before... Oh, God, this guy. pretty boy guy. <laughs> I, he's like... Yeah, he's like the poor man's Hemsworth. A little bit, yeah. What were you asking? Do I think what now? Do you think Zoe came from a rough background even before the war? She seems like deeply disturbed. No, I think she's just career military. She's just career um, military. Yeah. Yeah. So, so is the notion that her and Mel were in the uh, Republic's military or whatever it was before the war? I mean, were they were they military? Were they normal military before they became rebels? I don't know. My hunch has always been that Mal. Has, was just some guy. I don't know what he did before he joined up. Pulp I think fiction. maybe Zoe did work in some kind, was a mil- a soldier of some sort um, because, you know, the way she and Mal are so different, even on the battlefield, it, it certainly seems like uh, it's yeah. a very different. Mal um, seems like militia. Mal seems yeah. like our, our revolutionary war soldiers who are basically right. British militia. Yeah. She does seem more career military. Um, it, they didn't really explore Zoe uh, book. That would have been a cool, especially because they're the two black people on the ship. It would have been interesting. Right. Um, yeah. Which, by the way, those, by the yeah. way, two out of nine being black people is a huge improvement on everywhere else on television. Right. You are welcome, and America. Marina Baccarin, as light skinned as she is, is Brazilian. I mean, she is not sure. an American. She is not, you know, Caucasian exactly. She is. And Summer Glau is multi ethnic too, actually. Summer Glau is yeah, part Asian or. Um, let's so, see fairly diverse cast. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and for 2002, even better, you know, because the demand for diversification in casting really took, has really gotten stronger, I think, in the last maybe eight years at best. Maybe not, maybe not even, maybe like five years. But like, who's um, introduced all the major female characters to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? That would be Joss Whedon in the two well, Avengers yeah. movies. Right. I mean, we have nothing else like the Scarlet Witch and, you know, and Scarlet Johansson although, as Black Widow. Although Black Widow was introduced in Iron Man 2, which he had nothing to do yeah, with. Yeah, but so. they could have easily just ditched that character after that without an they inspired... Could have. Uh, um, you know. 
Anyways, so point is, I, I love hearing you love on Joss Whedon. This, this entire process makes me extremely happy because he's the he's the guy I want to be able to write like if I could, you know. And uh, it's it you know th- this is this is the purest manifestation, even more than the Avengers it, is is Firefly. Mm-hmm. And I talked about that in Serenity. As much as I love the Avengers, Serenity is still a more favorite movie for me than the Avengers. Purchased for me personally. And I would probably put the Avengers over Serenity. I'm not saying better. Um, I'm just saying me, you know. No, in terms of what I would rather watch, I'd probably watch rather watch the Avengers. Yeah, not even that. Uh, just like a movie I think about and is like important to me, you know, on like a more. I than would also again level. Avengers for me. <laughs> well, it's nice that I can have both. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, so here comes the dying talk, which is great. They yeah. talk about dying. You know, I mean. Why not? By the way, Matt, I was listening to our commentary. Your whole thing about, I'm not saying you're wrong about the uh, uh, trashed uh, plot of her taking some sort of sexually transmitted disease to fend off the Reavers. Right. is extremely disturbing. I'm not saying it's not disturbing. I'm saying that's what they no, envisioned that. No, it's really that disturbing. It is. It's I didn't terrible. really notice it when you said it, and then I listened back on it, and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is like p- pornography, but worse. Yeah, I, I didn't. Th- that's like Westworld uh, uh, of, you know, you survive being raped a hundred times or whatever. Uh, but when you say those things, are you saying like that is a reflection of an idea that was being passed around or like that was a cut scene? I don't think there was ever a scene that explains what it is, but Whedon has said that's what that is. That's Whedon what that says a lot of things, man. You know, well, I don't know what else to go by. Clearly, no, I agree. I, I'm confused. That's why he does it. I mean, look, clearly the way they shoot the scenes where she's holding it, it's meant to be significant. And because the show doesn't last long enough to explain it in in pure, you know, to explain it with an episode, we're left to the only thing I can go by is what the showrunners said it was for. And that is what Joss Whedon has said that injection was for. And I Marina think what he was saying was hey, in some dark hour, I had this crazy idea, and so I threw it in. But what it really was supposed to mean was just that she was going to kill herself kind of thing. You know what I mean? No, it was always intended Fox was never going to run anything survive some kind of sexual attack. All right, all right. Maybe Fox would have never allowed it on the air, but this isn't some, like, half-assed idea. This is what he thought that was. I mean, I'm not... All right, so we're jumping back in here. So Kaylee's given up. Wash is given up. Zoe's mm-hmm. on the table. Um, Book is praying. Again, not, doesn't fit with his character of being an assassin from a previous life as an operative, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he acts scared all of a sudden. And this is interesting because this is oh, one of this the This does few lead times- to a great moment, though, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wash is just being condescending asshole, giving up, throwing his hands in the air. Yeah. It would boost the signal, but even if Gets the passerby his- did happen to receive it. <laughs> They'd be forced to stop. <laughs> <laughs> even when this show is at its most intense, most serious, there's still a way to change the beats around a little bit and have some humor in there. You know what's great about uh, spaceship shows like this and Battlestar, where you can film the whole show on a spaceship, right? Other, other than it's cheaper, is you don't have to go to the cafe, you don't have to go to the gym, you don't have to go to the apartment. It's all there, 
Right. So you literally can have anyone walk in anywhere at any time, like yep. Jane right there. Exactly. You know, like in the, you know, like in Arrow, you know, they're constantly finding reason for people to like show up at like the Queen Mansion for no reason, you know? Right. Or, well, yeah, there's Laurel. Yeah, she's at the Queen Mansion for no particular reason. Nope. Yeah, here you just walk into in, it. Here's the scene in Thea's apartment. Here's the scene in, yeah. uh, you know. Malcolm Merlin Felicity's snuck in again to Thea's apartment. Who knew that he could do that? Right. Yeah. Her security is terrible. Yeah. Interesting fact about this guy, uh, Bester, the the, um, <laughs> the 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 first engineer. Actor's name is Dax Griffin. Um, biggest role for him was on The Bold and the Beautiful. He was in 149 episodes of that. Oh, wow. That is, I think, a soap opera, and he yeah. definitely has soap opera looks of kind of yep. you know dreamy, long blonde hair. There's been like comedic probably- talent to come out before from soap operas, though. It's not a first, yeah. Right. You know, probably looks like he's fairly, I mean, you can see he's got a decent body, you know, fairly muscular oh, he's in that hot. kind of yeah. soap opera way. He's told, um, yeah, I can even tell that he's hot. I mean, Nathan Fillion has some, has a, a soap opera look to him too at times totally. as well, especially when he was younger. I, he might have been on a soap opera at one I mean, point. I know I, Castle was canceled, but I'd seen right. one or two episodes to know that that could have been a much worse show than it was. Yeah, he. And that's the show that made him like a star yeah. outside of the And the what's amazing is they started making the current con man season before Castle got canceled. And in the current season, his show gets canceled. And then Castle got canceled. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, so the question is, did this make you radically rethink Kelly? Meaning, did you consider her this kind of girl before we got here? This, uh, y- yes. I mean... Not because I, I mean, I knew she was sort of because I was ruined on it from the movie. I knew that this was Kelly. You know what I mean? So it didn't right. have the same effect. Yeah. This introduction of her character to have her first show up because she's getting right laid out. in the engine room. <laughs> that surprised me a little bit. She is the best female comedic timing on the show. No, no question. Oh, yeah. Um, you think she would be in a ton of the stuff. She's so talented and versatile. Yeah, I don't know why she didn't feel like, uh, uh, by the way, Castle went from 2009 to 2016, 173 episodes. Very impressive. So that's pretty good. Um, yeah. As far as I can tell, he was not ever in a... Um, it's a lot of space bucks right there for Nathan Fillion. Right. I don't think he was ever actually in a soap opera, but he looks like he could have been when no, he, he was does. younger. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Uh, well, well, there's a thin line between the kind of pulpiness we like and the kind of pulpiness that sucks, you know? I mean, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's the comic um, book thing. It can go either way, depending on who the artist is. Apparently, he the was writer. in Saving Private Ryan, which I do not... I, I did, did not know, know that, although I've been meaning to rewatch it specifically for that reason. Um, and so I can criticize it because I think I, it's offensive. The thing with him I never watched that I've always wanted to see is Slither. Which is this uh, weird, gross uh, horror James movie? Gunn. Yeah. James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy, Ugh. and he's in Guardians of the Galaxy for like a split second. Yeah, um, it's so the 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 slithery tentacle as a extension of the male penis is it's just a ridiculous trope. Although everyone says Slither is amazing. Yeah, it's very Japanese, also. Right I mean, here she is. She's given up. So the question is, are they all given up? You know, is there something in the air? They're not getting oxygen already, and they don't even realize it. I mean, they're, they're no, all I, acting against character. It's, or it's just I one it's too this, many bad things. I think it's the speed with which this is all going on. We were saying it was taking place twenty over a span of about 24 hours. I think it's much shorter. I think it's six hours or three hours. Like, they really go from fine to abandon ships so fast they don't have time to uh 
like process what's happening to them. You know, they usually you kind of feel like if a ship was going down, they'd all have time to say their goodbyes or whatever. No, they have, this is happening so much faster than even Mal can react to. I mean, Uh, this is something, I'm sorry. This is something that if not for the constant performance of dual state, I would have a problem with this engine. It makes Mm -hmm. no sense based on the ship that they're in. Well, I mean, I mean, a a spinny thing for a giant ship. Right. I mean, I, I think Whedon also, he looked at like the way the warp core looks where it's this very clean vertical thing. And he wanted something that looked much more or like industrial and, messy and oh no my problem's not isn't the engine it's just that everything is inside this one piece of equipment i'm talking about i want more of the han solo chewy climbing all over the ship patching things up you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. just spread around the level a little bit yeah you don't need like dual nacelles and you know and and the giant warp core but she's just standing there like tending this spinny thing Right. But who cares? Because this is this point where we see them wearing funny sweaters. This is like <laughs> the Firefly version of the ugly Christmas sweater party, which, by the way, mm-hmm. I hate both ugly sweaters and the notion that they are worth having a party for. It's Every gotten- time I see an ugly Christmas sweater that I know is being worn intentionally, it makes me incredibly, incredibly angry. Well, what makes me angry is that where all of that began with was the idea that your grandmother knits you a sweater and it turns out to be ugly, but she put in all this love and effort and you wear it anyway. Now, you have fucking clothing companies charging you money for intentionally ugly sweaters. 80 bucks. And the whole thing has been subsumed by the capitalist trends that are killing this whole country. So, uh, that's what annoys me. I mean, and that... Everybody thinks they're cool when they throw an ugly sweater party until you've gone to four of them and they're all exactly the same. Um, Speaking of There are which, a lot of things about Christmas that as a Jew I don't get at all. Um, well, I think the commercialization the- just makes everything worse. I mean, right. people can have their own holiday. I don't think Christmas should be so special. There's a million people who have a million holidays, but, right. you know, the, the commercialization. Of them in the same month as Christmas. Um, yeah, exactly. So speaking of Christmas... This show is noticeable, not this episode, but the show in general, it's noticeable for the really blatant lack of at least overt Christian imagery and or themes. Right. I mean, they set it up with the shepherd and with the cross that he wore during the war, but you really don't hear about it. They don't talk about God in any kind of direct way. Um, Is that what the shepherd's trying to do here? Is that he thinks... He actually can bring God to these people, you know, even though he thinks they're pretty complete already. I think Shepherd Book sees these people as suffering and incomplete in some way, and he's not sure if, you know, he talks to Mal in Serenity about how you need faith, not necessarily in God, but you need faith. And I've said before that Book is on the ship to replace Belief. the faith he lost. Um, belief. It's different than faith, actually. Belief, excuse belief. me. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, you're right. I yeah. believe. I no, 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 no. I mean, it's it's enough. it's tough because they mix this stuff up all over the place, right? Oh, that's right. He le- he's leading into her into the shuttle in the right. near past, and then it jumps to the far past. She's got the belly thing going on, which she never wears again. She's using this for negotiating purposes, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
What I love about Mal's reaction to Nara is he knows he's being manipulated and then will even comment on it, but he still cannot help but be manipulated. Right. I prefer I, something with a few... You know, this is all like game between the two of them a little yeah, bit. Totally. She's not wrong, though. Yeah. No. I, In this future, I wouldn't want a brand new shuttle. No. You know, she wants something that she knows works. Yeah. And a ship like this has to keep something like that working. Um, oh, here it is. Not be serving you or anyone who's under your employ. I'll post the <laughs> sign. Yeah. Yeah, they're playing it like they're not attracted to each other quite yet until she makes her bold move. And then they start considering it for the first time, I think. Mm-hmm. Look at the way they filmed this. This is also a somewhat scaled back outfit that she's wearing. Obviously, you can still see her midriff, but it's interesting. It's dark. It's not bright colors, which she wears a lot I mean, of. She looks like a 13th century Andalusian Arabic princess. I mean, A little bit, yeah. She looks completely regal. I mean, they are royalty, right? I mean, if you think of or like... there's something. I mean, yeah. they're, they're geishas. They're, they're very, very high-class women. Um, yeah, but as a whole, they have even more power than that. I think that's what's right. so compelling. Right. I could bring something that everyone else can't. Respectability. And when she says, you want me, she can sense more about him than he can sense... Uh, even about himself at this moment. And the question for Inara is always, wh- how much can she use those observational abilities on herself? You know, how much she, can she admit how she feels towards him? She can't. You know, Heart of, no, Heart of Gold establishes that she clearly feels something. She feels an extreme sense of betrayal, but she doesn't fully understand why she feels that way. And even at the end of Serenity, all she can say is, I don't know. Um, which is probably very honest, um, maybe not satisfying for shippers, which is the word for people who just want to see characters paired off. Um, I supported unification. That, that, that we were talking about that. Yeah, that's a little mean. Oh, right. That'll be the last time you call me a whore. Yeah. Won't be the last. <laughs> Ever again. <laughs> but I do like that this show sets up you know, in these flashbacks, it sets up not only the origin of how the character comes onto the ship, but it sets up what their relationship is going to be. Mal and Inara are going to butt heads. Mal is going to have this almost paternalistic or older brother, you know, sense of admiration for Kaylee. Um, Mal is going to need a second in command, and that's Zoe. Um, Mal is always going to be a little... uh, you know, he's going to be willing to tolerate Wash's weirdness because Wash is so good as a sorry. pilot. And sorry, she says, Mal, you don't have to die alone. He says, everyone dies alone. I mean, this is so dark. Yeah. She wants him to come just so they die together, and he does not want that at all. He'd, and it's ra- why, he'd rather die alone. And it's why this episode, I think, needs some of the scenes like, what are you shouting for? You're using up all the air, or the scene where they meet Jane. This episode, or us talking about uh, ugly sweaters, this is a very dark, stark episode, and it needs some levity to it, um, in part just to keep the the moments that are really dark, and that are a lot of them, from feeling over the top. Um, Yeah, this is a suicide episode, honestly. I mean, this really can be seen as a giant uh, kind of metaphor or... uh, 
you know, a kind of fictional uh, discussion of suicide. All these people are giving up in various ways and thinking they're going to die and accepting their death. It's almost like, you know, they face so much much hardship already, as we've talked about. Um, And if we, uh, and I agree with you, and if we think of, like I said at the beginning, Mal, before he, the Firefly takes off, you know, right at the beginning, is much closer to that idealistic kind of happy guy that he was in the war. And now look where he's at. He's kind of thinking, man, this was my way to, to become a person again. And if this ship dies, I can't start over again. I, there's no point in living without this ship, which was my reason for living after a lot of me died in the war. Um, by the way, again, he, he's a really dark theme. By the way, he's very specific about River and uh, Simon not being with Jane. Uh, you know, I think cannot yeah. be understated. He doesn't even think twice about separating those. That's three. interesting. Yeah, I never thought about that too much. But. Oh yeah, a lot of thought went into who goes in whose shuttle. He knows Hanara can take care of herself. He knows the the, the uh, preacher can take care of himself. Listen to this music. This is like kamikaze music right now you know this is like cap crashing the uh the plane at the end of the first captain america movie it's like or titanic going down yeah i mean it's all over i'm gonna put my coat on live as long as possible and freeze in the vacuum go to sleep and die basically you know yeah and and almost won it and almost won it and that's what's so compelling about this to me yeah you know that again it's like this was my last chance to save myself basically. And if I can't without this, there's no point in going on. I mean, that, that's, it's admitting defeat because he doesn't know what's about to happen. You know, he doesn't know that that little gimmicky thing that he had Wash go out and do, uh, divert the whatever actually is going to work. So he's pretty much willing to go to sleep and die. I just don't understand. Like they made the show in 0203, the movie was in 05, and then he doesn't mm-hmm. start Castle till 09. He's got four years of not doing a whole lot. Like, he, between his face and his acting ability, it makes no sense that people wouldn't want, eat up Nathan Fillion. Maybe he's right. just too talented in a weird way. They didn't know what to do with him on network television. They found, I mean, seven seasons isn't to be scoffed at, I don't think, even though I wasn't into that show, but. No, that that was a very successful acting gig for him on yes. Castle. I mean, that made him a star, even in the way that this did not. You know, this yeah. made him a star among the Comic Con crowd, and he'll be able to go on the you know comic convention circuit for the rest of his life if he wants to. But this Castle introduced him to the wider world, and it wasn't unacclaimed. I mean, you know, Castle was championed in some corners. Like it wasn't, you know. Interesting thing, this, you know, that it's the catalyzer that blows. If you watch this show, (laughs) Kaylee does mention a few times she wants to replace the catalyzer. Um, It actually is set up early on, on a couple of different occasions that this could happen. So you've got Um, Kaylee with the catalyzer and you got Ray and Han Solo with the compressor. Oh, yeah, yeah, Not sure which is which. Who cares? I mean, (laughs) I actually like this show. It's a compressor! Right. Oh, the compressor. I bypassed the compressor. I um, <laughs> I like that this show her. never gets bogged down or even has much interest in explaining the um, uh, the tech and how it works. Yeah. It's just this is what there is. You know, they use very, very, very little techno babble, and this is the only episode where it actually even is as a thing. 
Um, so uh, I want to just begin this discussion briefly. We don't have to talk about it too long. You know, here's the heist thing that you know is going to happen where they rob him blind because he's got no choice. Mm-hmm. They did a good job paling him up. By the way, they stress that Mal is very tan throughout the show um, right. compared to Inara or Simon. I, I wonder if he was like getting tan salons or whatever. Uh, Nathan Fillion, anything you got to do for the job, but. I think <laughs> I think Serenity and uh, Firefly and Serenity shepherded, no pun intended, the Star Wars legacy from the original trilogy to what we see now. And I think mm-hmm. that the fact that we've gotten the Star Trek reboots, Guardians movies, and the new Star Wars movies, I, I think it, it could not have happened in the same way without this. They may never say it. We may never, you know, this is clearly uh, taking from the original Star Wars trilogy, but it was important that this was seen as a viable genre from an artistic standpoint. Oh my God. Oh, I'm sorry. This scene is amazing. This is, especially after Jade's town, you finally start sympathizing with him and you see how they recruited him and what an idiot he is. Yeah. <laughs> how easily they manipulate him you know yeah for they, sure they eat turds like this for breakfast <laughs> point of interest <laughs> <laughs> look at that but even then he can recognize that jane has skills yeah you did didn't you you know what or did there could be torture whatever so we're assuming that he's the last that that are are we assuming that kaylee and and wash are both on board at this point i would say so yeah yeah i think so he's the missing i mean i get the sense they couldn't get the ship flying without wash just to get the navigation software and everything working and it seems like the ship is grounded constantly uh until kaylee takes over so so wait, who does, who's in the shuttles? You've got River and Simon and Wash and Zoe in one. And then you've got Jane, Shepard. They explained it. I don't Nara. remember. Who's the other one? Who am I missing? Um, uh, uh, I, here we go. I, here we go. <laughs> Jane, this ain't funny. I ain't laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Kelly. Yes. Kelly's with them. Right, that's probably right. Yeah, Kelly's with them. And Nara can take care of Kelly with, yeah. <laughs> oh. Bam. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> How big a room. <laughs> you know, but then you can't feel bad for Mal for when Jane betrays him because they yeah. knew what they were getting into. You know, that's important. Yeah. You know, I... This you have to get a little... mild amount of pleasure of Jane threatening to betray him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they set it up perfectly. Oh, there it is. In the gut. Never shoot him in the heart or the head. You shoot him in the belly and he just lives. Yeah. <laughs> Super you... painful way to die, but it takes a long time. Yeah. Interesting I... thing, you know. This guy's a terrible actor. Yeah, this uh, guy's name is Stephen Flynn. He's way Not, worse than the last guy. I mean, he's he's been acting for a long time, but never as anything particularly. That's interesting. actually the biggest flaw of Firefly is is the extras for the or, or the uh, you know minor supporting single episode characters. Are, uh, well, some of them were. I mean, breakouts. They're I okay, mean, Battlestar had a much higher batting average for that sort of yeah, stuff. Probably. I mean, the ones who who 
shine really shine you know like niska is great early is great saffron is great these characters are as close to that as in this episode as you're going to get but no they're not i know but those bit players can make a difference you know it's like the in that second or third episode of uh battlestar when we first see richard hatch and the the prison and like the various Mm -hmm. prisoners you know those it's important for for world building i don't care of course richard hatch is an established actor no i'm not talking about richard hatch i'm just saying the richard hatch intro episode where they have the various prisoners and and people working with the prisoners okay here's another very impractical looking ship that looks like a a crab um (laughs) that's the thing i mean you know, people say, what's your favorite sci-fi show? And I say, Battlestar, but I like Firefly better. <laughs> but my favorite sci-fi show is Battlestar. But my favorite overall show is Firefly. Because mm-hmm. it's just a, you know, it, it's a uh, an ornamentation, right? It's a series of ornamentations of science fiction. This could exist in so many times and places and genres. This kind of writing and characterization. That's what I, I appreciate would also- about this show. I would also say that as much as something that's this good or as good as this is, Battlestar had just such a longer time and number of episodes to really build your connection to that universe that uh, it's just going to, it feels satisfying on a couple of levels more than Firefly does just because there is so little of Firefly. I mean, I, I, I really believe that, that, you know, we, got to watch all these characters really change and grow and a lot of them die well a few of them die and you know the settings change dramatically uh firefly it starts and stops in about the same place um with the you know a couple of characters die in serenity because joss whedon just really likes to kill people that you like um because and here's why and i'm gonna i'm gonna bring in a third show that you're gonna hate that i'm even bringing this up which is gotham so why do you watch gotham well the reason you watch gotham is there's enough of a story thread despite how horrible it is that you want to see where the story thread goes i think right yeah basically okay um so with battlestar but it's from a place of hate but yes that's fine but with battlestar they hooked you into the main story like four or five episodes in Right. This whole season are standalone episodes. I mean, there's some plot connections and there's some thematic connections, but it's basically a season of standalone episodes. So if you weren't hooked into the plot and you didn't have enough patience or understanding to hook into the characters, which take a lot more work, there's nothing to hook you in. Mm-hmm. That's my theory. I... Battlestar had a plot that, that that grabbed you, and you might like some episodes, you might not. But from in terms of building a multi-season show, you know, th- this didn't even try, and that's why we love it. Yeah, I I, I think um, yeah, I would say so. I, I think this show's strength is entirely on its character beats, on its sense of humor, sometimes on the plots of individual episodes. But the overarching plot is not the most interesting thing about it. I've said, you know, Bushwhack does away with a lot of the Reavers, Alliance, Browncoat stuff, and the show is better off for it. The overarching plot of Battlestar is, you know, this search for Earth. It is compelling, you know, on its own. I told you that's interesting, so you say. (laughs) But the cynical part of me says, oh, look at her. God, she's so cute. Yeah. 
She just, ra- I mean, we talk about Anara as radiant, you know, physically, but personality-wise, <laughs> Jewel State is just radiating light everywhere she goes at all times. I mean, mm-hmm. she's, she's just a ball of happy, you know. Yep. And even when she, and then, but she can still curse out her crewmates when things, you know, aren't going well. So, <laughs> yeah. Here's the piano music that's actually non-ironic. This may be the main, the only, the only non-ironic piano music. Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps watching this now. It's really so sweet. I, I think everything about this is it's good. Per, is well earned. Oh, here it is. Perfect ending. And this is this last bit of payoff that all of this overarching talk of this salesman that you think is about the Firefly, oh. as it turns out, it's this other ship. It's right and about there. Right. <laughs> Which looks totally out of place. But those other yep. ships he's looking at are really interesting. Great. Amazing episode. And yeah. um, th- something we haven't talked about, man, you know, because it's just an aesthetic, I guess, to a certain degree, is that Joss was pulling from really early science fiction for both the look and feel of a lot of these episodes, you know, mm-hmm. the golden age, you know, going back to the early 1900s, to the 1940s, 1950s with Asimov and so forth, you know? Right. I mean, those shuttle designs are not an accident, you know? Those look super retro, those spaceship designs. It's hard to place the Firefly, you know? I, I don't know where they came up with that. You know, it's basically... If the Enterprise had sex with the Millennium Falcon and the baby looked a lot more like the Falcon than the Enterprise, that would basically be it, right? I mean, that's that's what they're going for. A ship that can house 8, 9, 10, 11 people comfortably I, for long yeah. periods of time. I think the ship looks kind of like a horse or a camel, personally. Huh. Uh, Oh, you think it's got like a beast of burden? Sort I of. think so. I mean, it's oh. got a head, and then it's got a neck and a okay. body and the butt that lights up. I mean, I, I think there is an animalistic <laughs> quality to how it's designed that's very interesting. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, well, we know we know that Joss has a ton of uh, influences in this area. So uh, that was a great episode. You needed it to get the backstory, but you already start to get sad, or I at least already start to get sad when I see that episode because I know it means we're more than halfway through. So just to close this off, man, uh, give a quick uh, preview of, of what we have to come on the back end here. All right. So the last bunch of episodes, there's still a lot of really good ones. I think the 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 two episode. Uh, back to back of our Mrs. Reynolds and Jane sounds probably the funniest the show is ever going to be. Sure. Um, but the uh, next bunch of episodes are some of the best executed episodes of the show. Um, the next one is one of my absolute favorites of Ariel. I think in terms of visual aesthetic and execution, it's one, it's maybe the best the show looks. It's also, can be quite frightening at times. It's a really powerful episode that also finally does return us to some of this overarching plot of what is River's deal. Um, after that, we get a we're gonna get to explore Wash and Zoe's marriage and war stories. Uh, Trash is the last really funny episode, and then we get the three episodes that never aired. Um, well, that's not true. That aired six months after the show had effectively been canceled just because they had been made and were lying around and Fox aired them over the following summer in like July and August 2003 after 
the last bunch of episodes aired in December 2002. So, um, so we go ahead. No, I was gonna say just to close up here. So, if you're making, I just want to revisit something you you said. So, if you're remaking, oh, I'm sorry, or or, or making, f- whoa, shit, hold on, or making for the first time <clears throat> this show in 2016, you think Sci-Fi Network is the place to go for this? Yeah, really? I or I think just because one, the ratings would not have to have been nearly as good to keep the show on the air. I mean, do you, do you really, th- I have no idea what, what kind of numbers the expanse or dark matter or helix or, or defiance or any of these crappy sci-fi shows gets, but I can be pretty sure they're not anywhere near the same numbers as what Fox expected. So, and ratings, I mean, to be blunt, that's usually why a show stays on the air or goes off the air, unless it's so creatively interesting that they're willing to overlook it, which the Americans gets very poor ratings, but FX doesn't want to kill that show for that yeah. reason, so they keep it on the air. Um, I don't know. I so, wish I, I I would rather this defender's money be spent on Star Wars and Serenity than than okay, what they're producing now, right I now. I think Netflix would have worked fine, but at the time, oh no, no, I'm saying now. I'm saying gone, now. Oh, I'm now, saying now you're the producers of Firefly and you have offers from cable and online. Where is the ideal place to put this show? Probably Netflix. I mean, I think you could probably get more money and make something better out of it. Um, I think so. You know, but at the time, I mean, that Netflix has really only taken off, I would say, in like the last five years. It's had some shows that are older than that. But Netflix as a real true alternative for creative television, much more recent. Um, and even then, I, I do sometimes wonder if Joss wouldn't look at his thing as not wanting to limit it to a, what he would perceive as a smaller audience that he would get with Netflix. Um, and maybe he doesn't want to make a show that you can watch all of in a day, um, you know. Now, to be clear, I don't think we're ever going to get more Firefly because I don't think no. Whedon really wants to go back to this world. I don't think no. he likes repeating the same ideas and things he's already done. Well, he couldn't reproduce it even if he wanted to. I think that's the bigger problem. You know, I mean, I feel like he could step back right back in the saddle and do this some more. He would. I, I just, it's impossible. It's just so, it's so different. Yeah, I don't think his heart would be in it. I, I have sometimes thought I didn't think his heart was quite in Avengers two. That's what and everyone he, says. Joss's heart is in this. It's not as in that. Who knows? Uh, Joss is the only one who knows. He said in interviews at the time that he was reluctant to come back, and that finally the, a good contract came about, and he was willing to do it. But you know, it yeah, did whatever. Seem like, I'll take Joss Whedon taking a good contract over most people throwing their heart and soul at something. You know, his I, his talents a thousand times what almost anyone else is out there. So, uh, speaking of which, we need to get some rest because we've been b- burning through these and we've been loving them. So, um, just for the people out there, um, I'm looking for the remaining episodes and I'm not seeing them right now. So, I believe the next episode is Ariel. Which is great, um, and then it's sort of a, a mixed bag, right? I mean, oh no, War Stories after Ariel is f- fantastic, but then it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, and by mixed bag, we mean still shows that are way better than anything else on TV right now. So, yeah, yeah. I guess I just wanted to get the conversation going, man, and we'll sign out about you know 
the, the fact that the show has less of a legacy in terms of other people making shows, unless I'm missing something, then it should. The fans know how great it is, but mm-hmm. it, n- no one seems to want to retackle, you know, complex uh, but relatable and hilarious character arcs. I mean, no one's even trying. If a show was just bad at it, I would be cool with it, you know? But, like, no one's even trying that I'm aware of. So, this was great. Um, so, yeah, so we got Ariel, uh, War Stories, Trash, The Message, Heart of Gold, Objects in Space. Thanks for doing this. Bizzlecast listeners, uh, thank you. And join us for the next episode, and we are out.